0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today's podcast is going to be presented in two parts over two weeks, We are going to release the audio from an open Q&A session that was the final wrap up for our virtual spring rendezvous. So what you'll hear is a panel of Gold Loopers taking questions that are submitted to them from the attendees. The session ran about an hour. So like I said, we're gonna break it up over two weeks. Um, Before we go ahead and roll that, I wanna take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. We'll start with an ad from one of our sponsors and then we will go ahead and roll part 1 of the open Q&A from the Virtual Spring Rendezvous. Looking for a one-stop shop for all your Pacific Northwest cruising needs? Northwest Explorations is your full-service company offering bareboat charters, guided flotillas, powerboat training, service detailing and brokerage located on the washington coast and vancouver island you're covered no matter which side of the border you're on since yachting is the best way in our opinion to socially distance we've updated our itineraries helping get you out on the water this summer our flotilla cruisers offer the perfect opportunity if you can't stand the thought of another summer of no vacations visit nwexplorations.com to learn more Hello to everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, We've got our attendees with us as well. So why don't we just start, if each of you would just like to introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about yourselves and your loop. So why don't we start with our friends, the Creatures, who are the current AGLCA Harbor Hosts of the Year. This is their second time being Harbor Hosts of the Year. So Robert and Kay, welcome. Why don't you just kind of give a little bit about uh, your your loop and your, your boating background for everyone.
1: Well, we are Kay and Robert Creech. Uh, We live in Southport, North Carolina. We did our loop in 08, 09, so some 12 years ago. We continue to cruise the East Coast and down to Florida each winter, except this year. We still have our boat that we did the loop on. Uh, When we purchased our boat, it wasn't just for the loop. It was for cruising. And uh had a great time on the loop and continue to love to stay involved. We've had, oh, six or eight loopers coming by Southport each day for the last week. So the spring rendezvous is upon us.
0: And that's great to hear. It's nice to hear that everybody is out there cruising again, because last year at this time, that was not something we could say was happening. So welcome to Robert and Kay. Thanks for being here. Um, Why don't we go to Ben and Laura Stein, if you want to give your introductions, please.
2: Uh, Lauren Benstein, and we did our loop in 2016-2017 with our two daughters, Molly and Madeline. They were six and nine the year we did the loop. They are 11 and just about to turn 14 now. We live aboard full-time in Fort Myers now, so after we got back to Chicago, we came halfway back down again, and we have been here the past two, just over two years now, and are enjoying being down here in Florida. I am harbor host down here in Fort Myers we are from Chicago. Uh, I was Harvard host there. So if anyone has any Chicago questions, we can usually answer
0: those as well. Yeah. And I should also mention that Ben and Laura are family ambassadors for AGLCA. So if families out there that are interested in looping, they're available to answer questions. Um, I should also mention that both Laura and Kay are reluctant spouse ambassadors as well. So there are people you can reach out to if you're at all reluctant and just want a resource to kind of talk that through with, because there are all different reasons you may be reluctant, but you are not alone. And there are plenty who have been in that same position. So we like to offer those resources to you. So uh, let's go to Dave and Claudia Fuller, please.
3: Hey, this is Dave and Claudia. We're full-time living aboard our boat. We uh, left Fort Myers in June of 2015 on our first loop. Didn't get back till February of 2017. We went up to Maine in summer of 2017. Uh, the, there's too much to see and do in one loop so we did it again in 2018 got back to Fort Myers in January of 2019 and then we went north again and did what they call the down east loop where we went up to Quebec City around the Gaspé Peninsula Prince Rhode Island uh, Halifax back to Maine and back down and then last year in the COVID season we went up and cruised the inland rivers to Knoxville and we're sitting in Clifton right now on the Tennessee River on our way to Pittsburgh this year. Our goal is to—we've been—we've put our boat in every state east of the Mississippi except for Indiana and West Virginia. So on our way to Pittsburgh, we'll do that. So we'll have been everywhere. Now, I—I think you asked me last time how many miles we've cruised. We're up to almost thirty-one thousand miles now.
0: Yeah, and, and you. Can- Just about all the side trips I can think of on the Great Loop. So usually when I have uh, questions about somewhat obscure rivers, I I call Dave and Claudia because usually they've been there. Um, So we've got questions starting to come in. And just a reminder for attendees, you can type those into the Q&A. We prefer that over the um, chat because it allows us to mark them when we've answered them and it helps us to keep track of things. Um, So if your question is for a specific panelist, please include that so we can let them know that. Otherwise, we'll just kind of um, dole them out as as seems to seem appropriate. Also, just a reminder, you are more than welcome to raise your hand. That'll indicate that you have a question you'd like to ask and I can unmute your mic and you can ask your question verbally to our panel. So to kick things off, um, this is a great question. Patty is wondering what is the single biggest challenge with navigating the waters of the Great Loop? That's probably a good one that, for each of you to answer because I'm thinking each of you may have had a different single greatest challenge. So I'll give you a minute to ponder that. And if anyone has one they want to uh, chime in with, feel so, free.
4: For us, I think it's really easy. Um, we have a five foot draft boat. Perhaps the lowest part of the boat. It was bought for the Great Lakes. Re- wasn't really purchased with the loop contemplated, and so for us, depth was far and away the greatest challenge. Um, you know, uh, tides were a new dimension to us. Tides we eventually came to really appreciate because they're frequently the only thing that gets you through some areas. Um, but the the additional dynamic of uh, shallow water and, and navigating that is, is something new for those of us who started our boating on the Great Lakes
0: and so ben with a five foot draft because we get this question a lot you know someone will say they have a five and a half foot draft um you know or they draw close to six can you do the loop um and it's a tough question to answer because you can but you're confirming yep. that you're going to face some additional challenges with that so if you are buying a boat specifically for the loop um you know you've had your boat for a long time now you live aboard with your family it's your home but if you were buying the, the boat specifically for the loop, would you choose this one again, or would you look for something with that doesn't draw quite as, as much? We
4: yeah, as Laura just said, we would and, and have been for three years, but haven't found anything that checks all the boxes that this boat checks and uh, also presents either a shallower draft, which in the size that we're looking for isn't super likely. But um, a, a keel lower than the props would be a great uh, aid to our navigation. I um, should mention, we're on a Carver Voyager 570. Um, and, you know, you, you, you are absolutely right. You can do the loop in about a good bit deeper than this one. Um, we have logged huge stretches of the loop with absolutely no problems with depth. And then we've had a few areas where we've had a lot of troubles with depth in somewhat rapid fire succession um some of that's luck of the draw some of that's the particular year you're traveling in especially in the rivers about whether they're in flood or they're uh they're skinny um and the the reality to in my mind is that as you get over about four and a half feet um it just gets a little bit more difficult every inch that you pick up uh mm-hmm. you can do it but every inch you pick up some of your options fall out um
2: we did it we've done canada we did the trend we got through all of that we were advised in canada for the Rideau not to do it by the lock masters there we talked to them and they said we wouldn't do it with that boat but we did the Trent, no problem never touched a thing for all through canada with all the rock um you know our biggest problems have been in florida where it's but it's you know mostly soft silty bottom that's not really going to do huge amounts of damage, unlike the rock in Canada. Still an issue, but if you have a keel, you sort of bump right through that if you have a problem.
4: Okay. Yeah, I mean, We've touched bottom relative to folks who have a keel, we've probably touched bottom very few times. Mm-hmm. Each of those events is much brighter in our minds than it probably is for people with a keel who, you know, rub a little and, we uh, a little shallow here. Keep on moving.
0: Got it. Thank you for that. Um, Fullers, did you want to say what your biggest challenge in navigating is?
3: I think uh, it was figuring out the weather. We're from Texas and, you know, from about February to October, it's just hot and a light breeze and weather isn't a big deal. You know what's going to happen? You get on the loop and every area that you go through is different. You know, it's different in Florida. There's weather patterns in Florida that are different than the weather patterns on Chesapeake Bay, different than the weather patterns on Lake Michigan. And uh, it took us a little while to figure out that, hey, we're going to use a, the, the thumb rule that you'll see quite a bit is less than 15 mile an hour winds, less than two foot waves. And if those things aren't there when we're checking the weather, then we're not leaving the dock. After we kind of put that in place, we, it really wasn't a challenge anymore. But uh, on the Chesapeake Bay in 2015, uh, we got in some seven foot waves when a storm came out of nowhere. Supposed to have been south winds all day and then it got glass smooth. The winds changed out of the north and got to be uh, uh, Gale Force winds. We were traveling with a friend of ours. He called back and he said he'd never met Gale, but he doesn't, he knows he doesn't like her. And uh, it was pretty bad. But trying to figure the weather out in all the different areas and, and figuring out that, but I think using that thumb rule of less than 15 miles an hour, less than two foot waves will serve you well and it it really won't matter what the weather does right
0: okay thank you for that and how about the creatures can you share what your single biggest challenge to navigating on the waters of the great loop might be
1: uh it was hard to you know when you when you ask that question it's hard to come up with it for me kay hadn't whispered in my ear but we (laughs) we draw four feet on our boat 43 jefferson with exposed props Death was not an issue, and we did the Trent Severn and up through Canada. Uh, I thought when we were leaving that the single biggest problem would be Kay leaving our seven grandchildren. She seemed to get over that the first day, so that wasn't a problem. Uh, I think the single biggest problem was getting off the boat when we got back home, Kim. We stayed on the boat three weeks after we got back home because we didn't want to leave, so... You know, a lot of boaters are have anxieties about the tides of the coastal waters who've never lived on the coast. You're gonna learn that pretty quick, and that's not an issue. But getting off the boat when we got back home was it.
0: Well, and I love that story because I've heard you tell that before, Robert. And you know, would just love to share that. Not only did they not get off the boat for a few weeks after they were home, but they were literally home. Their boat was docked outside of their house. They could see the house and chose to stay on the boat and not go back inside yet. So and I think that's telling about the kind of time you have on the loop. And you've con- continued to cruise back and forth to Florida most years um, from your home in Southport. So well, still out we, there on the boat.
1: We, like Dave and Claudia, have put uh, a little over 30,000 miles on their boat so far. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the boat.
0: Yes. All right. I'm going to throw the next question to Ben and Laura because I think you have the most experience in this area. The question, this is from Ron. You'd like to know the latest thinking on the best way to share the trip on social media. They've got iPhones um, always on Internet. They've got Nebo, Facebook, friends who would like to live vicariously through them. Um, and there's probably lots of options that you haven't tried. But in your opinion, what's the best balance that you have found of easy to update, and best for friends, but still gives them a good way to relive the journey later.
2: I kept a blog the year that we did the loop. And then when we started, you know, coming South again, and I kept that blog mostly for me. So I can go back and read it if I want and check things out. When I published a blog post, I would also publish that like to Facebook so that the link would be there as well. And with, Cameras these days on your phone, I mean, we took good cameras with us. We have some great pictures. It was so fast to snap some photos, you know, each day. And it's great to have the blog posts and it's great to read, read those back. But, you know, my Facebook memories still four years later pop up. I can tell you that we were in Charleston four years ago today. And I saw the pictures this morning of what we did in Charleston four years ago because they just pop up. So it's so quick to post on Instagram or Facebook. And then you will get those, you know, first of all, your friends see it right away. And second, you get those memories year after year to make you wish you are still doing it. Um, but then I, like I said, I did also do the blog so that I had you know the pictures in my blog and the written account of what we did, you know, as much for me as anybody else.
4: And along those lines, we then had that, had our blog printed. Um, we, we mostly Laura wrote enough that it was a two volume printing, but, um, that's a really nice thing. And that's that's the only, that's one of the biggest downsides to Facebook is that it's sort of diffused in amongst the rest of your your, yeah,
2: your, feeders, your,
4: your social interactions. Um, the blog is a little bit more concentrated, but it's also a lot more time and effort in order to get a blog post up than it is to just post a just paragraph a and you know, or, or five words and a couple of pictures kind of thing. Up. And I will
2: say that I did create a separate voting page for our trip separate from my personal accounts and you know, Facebook and Instagram. So we have a separate voting page. I think we'll have another voyage um, where if we're doing something voting related, that's where I post the pictures and that's where I post the updates rather than my personal page, just so that I have all of the voting related things in one place.
0: Excellent. And thank you for bringing up the point um, that many loopers who have done a blog do have it printed into a book. Um, and that's something that I do think people will miss if they're doing only social media and not doing a blog as well, but you're right about the time-consuming part. So Ron, hopefully that gave you some ideas. Um, Next question, yes,
1: yeah. Can I speak to that a minute?
0: Please, absolutely.
1: Uh, Ben and I kid ourselves and it's really social fun between Ben and I. We're on the opposite end of the spectrum in a lot of ways. And you've heard that for years, Mm -hmm. uh, electronics and otherwise. Don't get so lost in social media that you get back after your loop and say you didn't enjoy the loop because you spent it on social media or through the lens of a camera. And you're doing the loop for yourselves, you and your partner. Don't lose that in trying to share it at that time with everyone else. That's a
2: good point. Today, even different from four years ago many, especially many, well, I shouldn't say especially, I know of many families that also do a ton of video posts and are keeping, you know, videos that are out there for our YouTube channels and everything. We, we didn't do that. I'm sure my 13 year old would have loved to have done that. And they did create a couple of videos, but we really kept it to just posting some pictures and a little blurb about what we were doing. But I know that today videos are very popular. We just chose not to do that. But,
4: but the videos are exactly to Robert's point. Yeah, time consuming to create
2: spending all your and, time you know
4: it, i i agree with you robert hundred percent that it's not the point of the trip is not to be walking around thinking you know how can i make this look best on social media or what would this look like in my video <laughs> so some folks that's what they want to do and that works for them and fine you know yeah. for us that was definitely not the point yep
0: thanks for adding that robert and and ben Um, Next one, I'll start off with the Fullers, um, but if anybody else has suggestions, chime in. And I'm sending this to the Fullers because I know Dave and Claudia do a lot of shoreside exploring um, when they're out there on the boat, including, you know, taking train rides from where it's something that's near the boat that they want to go see. So, Um, The question is, any tips on finding festivals along the way? Uh, And we get asked that a lot too. And it's such a hard question because it's such an immense geographic area that there really is no one resource that's gonna give you details for that all the way around the loop. So uh, Dave and Claudia, did you find a resource that you called on repeatedly or or a way to find local resources?
3: I think while you're approaching a, a place and you wanna look ahead, Uh, The TripAdvisor seems to have all of that. So if you go to TripAdvisor and go to the things to do, then it'll bring up all the museums, all, you know, all the trails, art museums, all that kind of stuff. When you actually locally get to a town, uh, usually in the marinas, they'll have, you know, somewhere where they'll have the trifolds, what's in the area. If there's a festival, if there's a farmer's market, that's usually posted up on a bulletin board somewhere in that marina. So you have easy access to find it. But I think the the trip advisor for a kind of looking ahead in the marina will know when you actually get there and stop.
0: Good advice. Any other thoughts? I know Google is is your friend on these things when you get to a local place. And of course, Facebook does have an events calendar that I think you can drill down to pretty local. Ben, did you have something on that?
4: Yeah, two thoughts. One of which is, I think the best festivals that we found on the loop were absolutely the ones we stumbled upon more than anything we sought out. Yeah. The other thing is that most of the ones that you might seek out are also the ones that will mean you're going to have a real hard time finding dockage there that weekend or that week. Uh, great examples, Grand Haven in Michigan, which does Coast Guard Festival once a year. It's actually a pretty cool thing. We've been there for it. You won't get dockage if, if you haven't planned way in advance and you know, frequently that I think for many loopers that ends up being something you almost sort of avoid because it's when the docks get scarce and the transient opportunities get scarce. Um,
0: Great point, thank you, Ben. Uh, this next one I'm gonna to send to the Fullers as well um, because it's a Down East Loop question and they have done it and, and presented on it for us. So um, the question is, what is the longest distance between ports on the Down East Loop?
3: Wow, um, yeah, that might I be a think... tough one. <laughs> When I was, I think today, it, it may not be, I was adding up all of our travels. I think the longest we traveled was 100 miles one day, but that's because the, it was when we actually went around the Gaspé Peninsula, where Bonaventure Island is, and we were going to stop at a little marina right there, but it was glass smooth that day, and that's one of the worst areas for weather, and because it was so smooth, we said, I'm getting out of here, and we put the hammer down and went another 60 miles. I think we traveled 100 miles that day, but you really only needed to go about 40 or 50. So I think every, all the way around, you'll find a marina within you know, 40, 50 miles.
0: Okay, excellent, great answer, thank you. Um, this next one I'm gonna to give to the creatures um, because it's a question about Georgia um, and it expands beyond there, but uh, since the creatures go through there uh, just about every year um, and are very familiar with, with tidal uh, issues, Um, The question from April, uh, Robert and Kay, is, we have heard about Hell's Gate in Georgia. Now, we know there's multiple Hell's Gates. This is the one in Georgia as a place where depth is critical. Can you elaborate on that? And are there any other well-known places like that to be concerned about?
1: Hell's Gate has been dredged, and we came through it uh, a year ago at low tide, and we had a good 10 feet of water below us. So it depends on whether it gets storm silted in or not. Uh, we've had a number of hurricanes on the East Coast, and it does get silted in, but it's in great shape now. Little Mud River is another area along the East Coast that on low tide, you're not going to read very much on your depth in the at all, but... Uh, as was said earlier, it's not rocks if you touch bottom in that area. So you're going to be looking at mud or sand. So, but no, Hellgate is in really good condition at least one year ago. I can speak for that.
0: And a lot of the trouble areas around Charleston have recently been dredged as well. So there have absolutely been improvements. Um, Robert, for those who don't know, can you uh, elaborate on where Little Mud River is on the East
1: Coast? It is in Georgia also. Uh, the areas around Charleston and North Carolina have been addressed very well. Uh, the areas in Georgia have not been addressed as well yet. So it's it's a Georgia, you know, Georgia's only barely 100 miles across, but you're going to have a couple of areas there that are potentially low areas of water.
3: Okay, thank you. Uh, this next one going to... Hey, Kim, when was the last time somebody somebody went through Lockwood Follies? Because that's always another one of those places. They're constantly moving the buoys there because of the changing conditions on the inlet.
1: Lockwood Folly is just uh, 14 miles south of us, Dave. Uh, The buoys have been moved. They're deep water. If you follow the buoys, Uh, as we preach over and over again, don't blindly follow your magenta line on the chart. Look out the front and follow your day marks. The day marks are in perfect shape at Lockwood Folly Inlet. It does not follow the magenta line.
4: Yeah, and I mean there are there are plenty of other real trouble areas. There are some great resources. Um, there's a real good Facebook group uh, that deals with a lot of the trouble spots on the ICW. You know, one of the absolute perennials is the Ponce Inlet and constantly moving stuff there. Just heard from friends who went through and boat aground, you know, right next to them. There are, definitely pla- there are places where you certainly want to be on your toes. And some of those places, the it's exactly as Robert said, follow the day marks and all will be well. And sometimes, you know, the, the day marks haven't been moved, and that can be very valuable information as well.
0: Okay, uh, this next one is going to go to Ben and Laura, because it's about Chicago, and that's your Former home waters. So the question is um, from Fred. We are going through the Cal SAG. We need to leave our boat at a marina for a few weeks. What is a suggestion accessible to a Chicago airport?
4: So the easiest suggestion on the little Calumet River is Marine Services, um, which is in Dalton, Illinois. They've got a full basin, so that your boat is off the, the river itself, off the navigable channel and much better protected. Uh, They'll get you to the metro electric line that runs through there that gets you to downtown Chicago and from there you have good public transit access to either airport.
0: Okay, excellent, thank you. Um, Next one I'll throw out to all three of you because I think everybody's going to have a pretty different answer here. Um, The question from Brian is, was there an app or a tool or a tip or a trick that you discovered along the loop that proved invaluable?
3: Weather oh, station. Well, I'll jump out there. I tell yeah. people the best seventy-five dollars you can spend on the loop is Alan Lloyd's navigation notes. Yeah. We learned about it uh, <laughs> probably a year into looping. Saw somebody else had it at a docktail, sort looking at the book, and said, "Oh my gosh, I got to have one of those." I was spending, uh, you know, that first year in twenty fifteen probably an hour every day looking at the charts, looking at where the next marina was, where we're going to go, how we are going to get there? Alan has pre-planned all that for you in a book that's less than an inch thick. I kid around, it's a turn-by-turn guide for the Great Loop. And then Waterway Guide just came out with a new app. I don't think it's on iOS, I mean, on uh, Android yet, but I think they put it out on iOS first and I've started using it in the last couple of weeks and we start cruising again, and it's really the same thing. It has all, all the stuff that you're going to find in the waterway guide hard copy is now on this iOS app. It has all the marinas, all the services, all the phone numbers, has the lock phone numbers, what VHF channels. So stumbling across that a couple of weeks ago, I think with those two things, I say they were primo.
0: Okay, and I just, for those who aren't familiar with Alan Lloyd's book, Alan is a platinum looper um and he's in our sponsor directory but the book again is great loop navigation notes and um if you google that his page will come up and you can order it directly through his page that's the only place i'm aware of that you can actually get that but it is great loop navigation notes by alan lloyd thank you for that dave and claudia anybody else have a tip or a trick or an app or something that's valuable go ahead robert
1: Kay was whispering in my ear, but recognize that we did the loop 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So things weren't as out there on social media as they are today. And you have a whole session on it in the rendezvous. And that's knowing how to find local weather information. Because every morning when you get up and you're deciding whether you're going to throw the lines off or not, Weather is probably the single most important factor of the day. And Kay has learned very well of recent years how to see the weather predictors that I've been looking at for years. So, And, and I guess uh, the second person on the boat learning to do that is invaluable.
2: Yeah.
0: And just a point, uh, Robert mentioned that we have a seminar on that at our rendezvous frequently. That's part of the looping 101 track. Um, We have recorded several of those as standalone webinars. And as a registrant for this virtual spring rendezvous, you know, again, in the virtual environment, we can only have so many seminar hours at an actual rendezvous. it's, It's four days with two tracks running for about six hours each day. Um, so one of the things, if you're not aware, that is part of your registration for this session is access to four of our previously recorded standalone session webinars, four of your choice. Um, if you go to greatloop.org slash webinars and look for the ones that are kind of single sessions, um, we'll be sending you instructions tomorrow on how to uh, tell us which four you'd like access to. And basically we'll send you a promotional code that makes that free for you. And the weather session that Robert mentioned, um, we recorded one about this time last year. And I believe Foster was a presenter, I believe. I know um, Bobby Wilson was. Um, But anyway, that, that resource is available to you in a recorded version. So if that's something that interests you, you can use that as one of your four that come free with this session. Um, so Ben and Laura, any uh, tip or app or trick or tool that you particularly found?
4: It mentioned, school? and it's it's a little bit complementary and maybe overlapping to Alan Lloyd's Nav Notes, but uh, down the rivers, particularly Skipper Bob, the Skipper Bob guides mm-hmm. are I think invaluable. Uh, we use them in a very similar way to how Dave described Alan's uh, notes in terms of you know
2: mile by
4: mile. mile by mile, and you know you just sort of run your finger down okay the next thing coming up is you know hug the right descending bank here because the left has no water kinds of things and very helpful okay
0: thanks for joining us while we shared with you part one of the q a from the virtual spring rendezvous we'll bring you part two next week thank you for joining us and until next week safe cruising